This is episode 107 of the Speed Metal Cycling Podcast. Hello, hello, welcome, one and all, episode 107 of the Speed Metal Cycling Podcast for April 15th of 2015, it's almost my birthday, I am your host, Dan the Skull Crusher, and um, so I guess a lot of people liked our special guest last week, because uh, I guess we had somebody who actually knew what they were talking about, it was Mr. Nate King, and we want to thank him very much, of course, he was very, very nice, and since we got so much positive feedback, we are having another special guest this week, but before I introduce him to you, let's say hello to our usual suspects, and uh, back from the West Coast is my brother Klaus, Klaus, welcome back to this side of the country. I'm so sorry to let everyone down that it's me and not Nate this time around. I uh, yeah, I'm sure people are actually tuning off. As they say, Klaus on, radio off. That's right, buddy. And uh live from the east coast of the country is Mike Spriggs, uh of uh Rafa Fame and Gage in DeSoto. Mike, how are you doing, sir? Great, how are you? I am not doing too badly. And now on to our, our, our special guest who is Mr. Chris Stefano, who is currently the head of PR of Rafa North America. Do I have that title correct? Uh, we actually made it easy and just made it communications director so that my initials and my job stay the same so I can remember them. So CD, the CD for Rafa yes. North America. All yes. right. And you've been around cycling uh, since the days of the wooden rims. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. And since we don't know what the hell we're talking about, then we bring people like you in to uh, give us some street cred. So welcome and thank you for joining us. Should we uh, should we ask uh, some of his uh, resume highlights? What so his credentials are? Yeah, exactly. How how why should people listen to you? Everybody knows why they listen to us. Why should they listen to anything that you have to say? Give us your LinkedIn bullet points, even though you're probably not comfortable doing that. I, I am not on LinkedIn. Oh. I know. Have you heard about it? I have heard of it, yeah. It's all the rage. Uh, short story, I guess, is I disliked my job out of college and applied for a job at the neighborhood bike shop that I went to as a kid. And I happened to walk in that day in a suit and tie. And of course, I had the job before I even walked in the door. Um, really enjoyed it. Fantastic pro shop in Richmond, Virginia, home of this year's Road World Cycling Championships. Also home, home of, of also, I'm sorry, Grace, home also, also home of Guar. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yes. go ahead. I enjoyed that tremendously. Um, so I went to a couple other bike shops and then one day saw some friends from college who were working for Mavic. Um, Matt Bracken and Adam Micklin were the Mavic guys. They worked at local Criterion as tech support, and I said, I have to do that. So I went to the USA Cycling Mechanics Clinic in Colorado Springs and got my, um, my license to do that, worked a couple of events, you know, was a volunteer for a few people, volunteered for Shimano, got a job at Shimano. 
Worked there for eight years, one week, five days, and it was wonderful. Uh, decided yeah, to move to counting, Port- right? Yeah, who's counting? Uh, I, I count them because they were awesome. It was a tremendous, oh. a, a tremendous time to be there and a lot of fun. Um, then I decided to move to Portland, where I ended up with Chris King, and I worked there about seven and a half years. And then three years ago, I left hardware, and now I have been at Rafa for the past like three and a half years. That's it. I've been a busybody, I guess, in this business since the beginning. I love it. My first inner bike was what, 1991, I think, in Atlantic City. Uh, so I just wanna, I just wanna go back to something you said before. You said it was gonna be real short, and then you went on for uh, 92 minutes. But who's counting? But who's counting? <laughs> All right. I have, so a question, I have a question for CD. What? What's yes. that? So CD and I, CD, you and I work together. We do. I'm st- I'd still like to know what you do all day. This. <laughs> this, this. You just sit around and talk to dumbasses on Skype. More or less. <laughs> yes, that's an awesome job. I want to get paid. Uh, he does have right. a good job. Well, it sounds like it. I don't know if he does a good job, but he has a good job. He does a good job as well. You want my official job description? I'll tell you. Okay, please. Yeah. <laughs> my job is to make other people feel good about being themselves. Are you what? That's yes, the most that's Portland thing I've ever heard in my life. That is my job. <laughs> if that's not a, a Portland person interacting with a New Yorker by way of Boston, I don't know what is. Because notice that my brother and I kind of thought, mm, we're not sure what that means. But Mike goes, no, no, no. no. that cannot be it. <laughs> oh, boy, the West Coast. You got to love it. I, does the that West mean- Coast. Does that mean like allowing – I'm going to try to figure this out, Mike. I'm going to try to crack the egg of Portland single-handedly. No one has managed. Does that mean like just lose reins and allow people that need to communicate to communicate? I would rather talk about Richmond than Portland to be be perfectly honest with you guys. Mm. Notice how I didn't even get close to cracking it. Nice job. We, Portland, Portland gets enough credit as it is, and you know what? Let's let's just move off of that. There you go. See, I don't. We never with with our band back in the day. We never played in Portland, but we did play in Richmond. And was the Richmond show the one where there was that old guy in the wheelchair in the front row, Klaus? No, that was DC. We just oh. stayed Richmond. We stayed in the practice space of a band called Avail, who were very popular at the time. But we didn't play in Richmond. I don't think Very so. Popular. Yeah. Dude, I, like when you're on tour with a band, I I no idea of what happens where, when, what date it is. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The only thing you know, you just you just keep tabs on how many ladies you. <laughs> that's about it. I was just about to say that's exactly like being a a team or a race mechanic following the scene oh, sure. in bike racing, except for the. No, if, you, if you ever heard our band, you would realize there is no... You just go from... <laughs> the only thing you could... Yeah, you just go from one parking lot to the next. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's sad. Uh, okay, so let's talk about <coughs> cycling. Actually, this might be the yes. earliest that we actually start talking about in any cycle, in, in any episode. Oh, speedmetalcycling.com, info at speedmetalcycling.com. At Speed Metal Cycle on Twitter and at the Skull Crusher uh, Instagram, Crusher with a K. At Mr. Spriggs, is that correct, Mike? What? On Instagram? 
Oh yeah, sure. You want to oh. pump? You want to, my personal Instagram? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, it's all pictures of vans. CD has seen it. Um, and it's it's awesome. Anyway, all right. Wait, pictures of vans like the vehicles or Dan's yeah. like people no. named Dan? No, like, vans like HVAC vans. Yeah. Ah, it's I the worst. No, it's, it's the worst. It's the best. It's the best. You do. You, you have a lot of good images. You do a lot of like cool compositions and stuff. They all look cool. I like your. Instagram. Thank you. Thank you. All right, <clears throat> cycling. I want to talk about the Shield Prize and the, uh, the Vuelta al País Vasco, and then we can talk about Paris Roubaix. Is that is that good? Yeah. And then we can talk about anything else that you guys want to talk about or whatever. It doesn't really matter. I'm I'm open to suggestions, especially since we have CD as a special guest. He can bring up some crazy topics if he wants to. So, Shield Prize. Did everybody see it? Yep. I yes. loved it. Mostly. Mostly. I thought it was interesting that there was another soggy baguette. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, two times in what? One week? In one week. I mean, not even. And I think it's a bandit with a with a switchblade doing this. <laughs> which would be awesome if somebody actually goes out there and starts doing this for every race. It it gave it a little flair. And there was a soggy stiff baguette at Perry Roubaix kind of. Oh, really? Well, when the train passed then oh, the little barrier yeah, came down. Happened. Well, I was thinking, I thought you were talking about a soggy baguette that came out of uh, uh, Peter Sagan's butt. <laughs> I did hear I about it. he had to go make soggy baguettes. <laughs> yeah, there's a photo of it. There is. Couldn't even make it 20 minutes and you're talking about Peter Sagan's number two. I'm sorry. We're not, we haven't even gotten to Pyrobay. Anyway, I thought it was funny with this soggy baguette that a car got stuck underneath, but like, he didn't realize that you could just easily have gone around the little thing because there's, like, a little road around it. So all the other cars went around it, and the car that got stuck, like, was that oh, – it was funny. If was you, it Orica again getting stuck? No. No. I don't I don't know whose car it was because it was from the helicopter shot, so you couldn't tell. But I think I may have had – I think I may have taken a, a screen grab of it, and I'll send it to Mike for the show notes, which can be found at GageTheSoto.com, of course. Uh, and then at the end of Shell the Price, there was that huge, huge, huge crash that looked horrible. And I thought at least there was like three dead. And then <laughs> at the end, when the smoke, when the proverbial smoke cleared, nothing. There was gasping here. There was that, you know, the, the Hollywood movie gasping yeah. sound yeah. from everyone watching it. I, I, I watched it by myself and it, it, there was the same thing going on in my house, which creeped me out because I was like, who else is gasping here? But yeah, it was, it looked gnarly gnarly uh but yeah fortunately no major injuries and alexander christoph wins of course and right after he like right after he finished and he won i was like this is just reminds me of philippe gilbert in i don't know whatever 2011 2012 whenever when he won like every race ever written and done uh, I would keep in mind that that Marcel Kittle and and Greipel were not in that race. That's true. Cavendish was not in that race. Well, not that, not to take anything away from Christoph, but I think neither was Cipollini. Been... <laughs> <laughs> I don't what? even think I don't even think Cipollini watched it. He was he was, busy. He was riding around shirtless and through Italy uh, in his Ferrari. Actually, not even on a bike. Yeah. Oh, you know, if like you have. A Ferrari would probably have leather interior, of course, and then he would be have like he would be shirtless, 
and it'd be like kind of hot so he would sweat and then the sweat would go down like his back and like with the leather seat l he actually drives an audi a8 he does really yeah a white one an r8 or an a8 a8 oh that's a is that a is that a station wagon is like no it's like a saloon car like what's a big yeah like a four-door sedan it's a white one with tinted windows. Ew. At least that's the car I saw him in. But no, no way. He has to have like a Lambo or a Ferrari or something. <laughs> I'm sure he's got something else. Yeah. yeah. So without else. the crash, he's without got some, the crash. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I, I, I know that he has something else. It's called Crab. <laughs> oh, from all the ladies. Get it? <laughs> Zing. All right, I'm sorry, CJ, go ahead. I like how he, you're trying to break, get us back on topic, but yeah, you're talking about cars. And, yeah. I'm new. Yeah, I'm so new. the race. The yeah. race. Without the crash, without the crash, who challenges Christoph that day? Viviani and who else? Because Viviani goes down. Who else? No, there was nobody else worth a damn thing. But I, I, in the shape that he's in, nobody. Let me see. So it wouldn't have mattered anyway who was there. Oh no, absolutely not. I don't I don't I really don't think so. I don't think that Cavendish not the way that he's been racing, not no there's no way. Nobody could have nobody could have outsprinted Christoph that day. But need I remind you that Cavendish won a stage at like the Tour de Saint Louis. <laughs> Did he really? I thought yeah. that, that Colombian kid beat him twice. Yeah, but then he beat him. So oh. he's in great shape. When it comes to racing against 19-year-old Colombian sprinters. So my assistant and I had an over-under uh, over on when that race would be mentioned in this podcast. What, Tour San Luis? Yes. <laughs> really? Because it's a great yeah. Colombian triumph or because it's a great race, period. But wait, 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 wait. You have an assistant? <laughs> yeah, I've got somebody with me in case I need a wheel. Actually, he did Man. just step out. He did just well, step who out. Who is it, Jordan? It's Jordan Reed, yes. But wait, so do you have an assistant as in like right now he's assisting you with this ridiculous thing that we're doing? Or do you have an assistant that is actually an assistant for work? Oh, no, no, I don't have an assistant for work. Uh, I, 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 I what would they do? What would they do? <laughs> exactly. I, I don't even know what you do. Nobody does. I, I, I think Jordan's, I think Jordan's more like a sidekick. Then yeah, then yeah. Assist, I yeah, definitely. But, just but, to give you guys some, just to give you guys a sense of what's going on. But Mike, I think I know what CD does. He, what does he do? his he's job, rich. his job is to make <laughs> other people happy or something. That's true. Yeah, that's what he told us. You're not paying attention, dude. You're not paying attention. No, I said feel not. good about themselves. I didn't I'm say taking, happy. I'm taking notes. I it's my shorthand. So, uh, can I bring something up? Is yes. Shell the prize related? Yes. Go ahead. The guy who won, Christoph. Yes. yes. He looks like Mussolini sometimes. Like, like the Mussolini? Yeah. Because like Mussolini good. had hair. With the crooked helmet? <laughs> no, not the crooked helmet. Although the crooked helmet is pretty interesting. How does the crooked helmet work? What do you mean? How does it's it clearly work? not affecting his performance, but he looks. sometimes he looks like a Fred crossing the finish line. You're just like, just straight, ask you know? Juan Jose Cobo, he won the Vuelta España with a yarmulke. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the fastest people I've known have had crooked helmets. Really? Yeah, I think it's like it's an indicator sometimes. The guy with a crooked helmet, you want to laugh at him, but probably he's going to be the guy that's going to work everybody. You're saying there's a reason why it's crooked. It could be. be. That's called a leading indicator. Yes. 
Yeah. Imagine if we're doing a Saturday Night Live sketch and a guy is in a motorcycle. We put a fan to make his hair blow like he's going fast. He's going so fast that the hair, the helmet, it becomes crooked mm-hmm. from yeah, the from wind that. resistance. It's a yeah. problem. It's just, the it's just there's, you know, there's a lot of sprinters in the sport, and most but of them manage to keep their their helmets straight. Well, and it's an aero it. helmet; it, it shouldn't be crooked right. from the wind. Oh, that's right. Oh my God, Giro's no, gonna no, be no, very no. upset. Wait, 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 wait. Let's say that you have a cube made out of wax, and you put a cube, it a bicycle. No, no, no. A, a an actual cube. Oh, Let's cubes say, are not available in the U.S. anyway. Yeah. Well, a, a a cube made out of wax, and then you put it in a wind tunnel for a long, 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 long time. Let's say years. Eventually, that cube is uh, that cube is actually going to become the shape of an egg, roughly. Right? Does that make sense? I mean, that's pretty basic physics. I think the helmet that they believe is arrow actually in fact isn't which is why that after so many sprints the the helmet is reshaping itself into the actual position that is arrow for somebody that may not always sprint with with his head straight on what if the problem is that he like for example chris Froome, always tilts his neck when he's putting a lot of pressure onto the pedals Therefore, the helmet is actually moving to accommodate the slight angle that Alexander Kristoff has in his neck when he sprints. Mm. I think you make such little sense that you're ready to move to Portland. <laughs> <laughs> and Did we mention that Giro, Giro is not a sponsor of the podcast? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, 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 physics was my favorite subject in high school. All I know is... Juan Jose Cobo won races, and his helmet was way back. I yeah. guess when you are that fast, you don't really care. True. Well, with Juan, Juan Jose Cobo was not really the fastest guy. I mean, he just he was an amazing climber, and that was it, really. For one race. Yeah, I know it's weird, but I, I always liked him. I just I'm glad that he retired with at least one world. He's time. not retired. I told you he's <laughs> racing in Turkey. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why do people think racing in Turkey is the same as being retired? It's not. It's code. It's, not it's, a code. Te- it's code for being. It's a it's a yeah. step above racing in Portland. Just one small step. <laughs> small that step. one step though is what's keeping his mom happy because she's like, "Oh, my son had to retire so early because of his yarmulke helmet." No, he's racing in Turkey. <laughs> uh, okay, now the tour of the Basque Country. Did you guys watch that? I love that race every year. Yeah, I like it more when Chris Horner wins stages and then does interviews in Spanish, but you can't have everything. Spanish in quotation marks, of course. Yeah. CD, Mike, did you guys watch it? I did not. I watched the I watched the part with the with the not funny, but the bollards with the cones on top and everyone crashing into that. Yeah, I I that I saw every every uh, stage and I didn't see that. I read You didn't see it. that one? No, I did I I I don't know how it happened that I just missed it. If that you I see the see. photograph, don't, don't, don't look at it. If yeah, if you see the photograph of the of the setup, yeah, like that's the finishing the only thing straight. I saw. That's the only thing I saw. The ballers, ballers with the two cones. That's all I yeah. saw, and I was like, I do not want to see this. But then, yeah, that's all you need the, to see. I started watching the 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 stages, thinking like, oh, here it comes, oh, here it comes, and it never came. So I don't know if there was no footage of it or something. I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know. It was scary and creepy. I don't know. But the reason that I like the, the tour of the Basque Country, besides the fact that I think the Basque Country is just awesome and beautiful and amazing. And speaking of the band, when we played in the Basque Country, some of the best shows. So anyway, it's like five flesh loans, like back to back, basically, because they're all crazy steep climbs, like 25%, like, and, and like a thousand people onto these like tiny little roads. And it's like the Mur de Hui, the, the Hui, like, Every stage, it's, it's just amazing, amazing, amazing. I loved it, but I'm, in general, I love it. But um, good things that I liked about this one: uh, Carlos Betancourt was in the leading group with nine k to go on stage four, and then he was in the breakaway in stage five, but didn't really do anything. But it was amazing, and so that was really good. I was happy to see Winnie the Pooh out there. Considering he was 22 minutes down at the Colombian National Championships, that's oh. unbelievable. Or rather, very impressive. No, 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 absolutely. It's especially because he still looks fat as hell. Um, he was actually in the, in the breakaway in stage five, and you couldn't see who else was in there because his fat ass was covering everybody else. I, okay. I, hate, I hate to bring this up, but I'm going to. Yeah. Has, has his knee herpes cleared up? I, I, he's so fat, there's so much blubber on it that it's difficult to see. I actually was in touch with his doctor, and the doctor told me he hasn't even thought about it because they're so concerned right now with his, like, his arteries are clogging. So that's what they're actually taking care of right now. The knee herpes, I think, is running wild, though. I think he's free and clear because he would probably be contagious. And he wouldn't be allowed to race. You can't be, how, you have knee sex? Is that how you... Pass on How did he know. get it? <laughs> I don't know. Now, is however knee, he got it, he can transmit it. Is knee sex like knee against genitalia or knee against knee? Like the elbows might be involved. Ew, that's just weird. There's knuckles. Yeah, it's not yeah. natural. Um, and how about that surgery now? Huh? Back after nine months, and look at him. Without braces. Without braces, looking better than ever. And attacking, wetting the leader's jersey on stage four. Amazing. Nothing cooler than the leader of a race attacking. I know why he was attacking. He felt he had to, because otherwise he wasn't going to have enough time at the TT, whatever. But <laughs> anyway. Wait, did Betancourt get his braces off? I haven't seen up close pictures of him. Uh, shoot, there's so many people with braces, and I'm trying to keep... Because Esteban Chavez has them off. Yes, but, uh, no, I'm thinking of uh, Pastor Maldonado, who you guys don't know who he is. He's a Formula One driver from Venezuela. And he got the top ones removed, but not the bottom ones, so he still looks kind of silly. That's how mine were. I oh, know. you know, I got a copy of Winning Magazine today, and it shows Andy Hampston with, um, with braces. Really? Like, Winning Magazine yeah. is still in print? <laughs> no, and clearly this is, or do you think Andy Hampston is 25 years old again? <laughs> But wait, no, wait, but wait, I wait, just wait, thought... wait, Klaus, so you just got it in the mail, like, they sent it to you in 1987, and you just now got it? Man, the Postal Service rules. It's ridiculous how slow it is. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Maybe uh, braces have something to do with it. And once he gets his braces off, he'll be fast like Sergio now. Which, by the way, the Universal guys were hey nowing all over the place. Hey now, hey now. Hey now, hey now. But, um, and what else was I going to say? There was... A big movie star employee protest on the side of the road. I don't know if you guys saw that. 
Because oh. everyone calls the team Movie Star? No, 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 no. It was like the employees from the company Movie Star. Uh, like protesting unfair <clears throat> wages and all this stuff, whatever. N mm. Like a lot of signs in Spanish and in Basque. Yeah, so I just thought I'd throw that out there. And then Rodriguez. Did Bernardi no punch any of them in the face? No, there was no punching of anybody. It was kind of boring, actually. They should fly in Bernardi no for that kind of thing. Except for those guys that crashed with the ballards. They were punched in the face by the by the by the street. Nobody was punched in the face. Stage six time trial. Purito Rodriguez wins it. I never, ever, ever thought I would say that because of a time trial. Joaquin Rodriguez wins a race. Which is weird because he's... That's insane. Yeah, it's totally weird. So, awesome race. I loved everything about it. I loved seeing her here now, being back and riding well and looking in, in, in shape and stuff. But this leads me to my game. Are you guys ready to play my game? Yeah. Which game, which game is this? My game or the game about me? No, neither. This oh, is excellent. The game, I'm ready. This is the game where you guys guess... Where did Carlos Betancourt finish in the Tour of the Basque Country out of 106 people that finished? And I'll give, you a, I'll give you a hint. He was not 106th. That was Timo Rusen. So what number did he finish out of 106? I'm going to go with 42. 42? All right. I'll, I'm going to go with 69th. Okay, and Mike? You said he's not 106th? No. Oh, come on. Mike. Actually, I'm going to change my I'm going to change my 100, number. 100th. Okay. I want to change mine. CD, go for it. 98. Okay. So, Klaus said 42. <laughs> I look like a fool and I'm so optimistic. Klaus said 42. That was uh Ron Dennis finished mm. 42nd. Mike, oh no, wait, CD, you said 98. Oh, shut up. You yes. looked it up. See, he looked it up. Your assistant. He has an assistant. Cheater. <laughs> Mike, you win because you said 100 and he finished 89th. 100 was Kevin DeVart. The, but he the finished best. 69th on stage six. You said, you said 69. Oh, exactly what we said was going to happen, that the assistant was going to be back there doing things. <laughs> yeah, and 69th was, was Julian Arredondo. But anyway, Fatty does, finished. Does Jordan speak Spanish? Jordan actually, yes, he does. He spent a fair amount of time um, in South America. Unfair advantage. Unfair advantage. <sighs> I can tell you this, though. I'm very happy that Winnie the Pooh, a.k.a. Carlos Betancourt, finished in the top 100. <laughs> Out of 106. <laughs> Out of 106. That's almost as good as uh, Nate King's uh, record in the, in the time trial, the national time trials thingies. Uh Guys, I know that you're going to love hearing me say this. That's all I have other than Paris-Roubaix. So maybe we should play Klaus's game now. Sure. It's a quick one if you guys uh, want to play it. It's called... Yeah, Who but wait, wait a second. CD, no cheating. Yeah, for real. Because these are answers that can be had. Wait, wait. Put, put <clears throat> your right hand over your, your heart and swear <laughs> that you're not going to cheat. Okay. Do it. Swear, swear on voodoo donuts or whatever it is that people from Portland hold near and dear to their heart. Swear on. I just on swore. I said okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So the game. Here's what it is. Here's we're gonna <clears throat> do this. 
so that it's, di- it's more difficult for him to cheat because I know he's going to try to because all the people from Portland, that's all they do is West Coast people. Hippies trying to cheat. Cheat the government, cheat the system. Let's try to get some communist thing going. So, CD, you have to, you have to answer first before okay. Mike or I do and you have to do it quickly. Okay. All right. So the game, last... is, the game is called who has more followers? Klaus's favorite game show. On which format? On Twitter. On Twitter. Who has more followers? Who has right. more followers? Do people still do that? What, Twitter? You do. Yeah, that's a thing still? Yeah, it's still a thing. Okay. All right. Who has oh, more wait, followers? Before, before you say that. Before you say, oh, no, never mind. Go ahead. I was going to tell a joke, but it's stupid. Go Who ahead. has more followers? Mr. Chris, a.k.a. CD, or blank. First round, who has more followers, Chris or Primal Wear, the clothing company? Chris, oh, answer. Go. I, I do. Uh, you guys, I, I what think, do you think? I think Primal Wear. <laughs> I think CD does. Primal Wear wins. Yes. Chris <laughs> has almost 2,000. Primal Wear has 4,000. Oh, yes. Next round. Okay, hold on, hold on. I'm going to write this down. <clears throat> uh, oh, I can't find a pen. Here we go. All right. So, I have one point. All right, go. Next round, Mr. CD or Lizard Skins, the people who make bar tape and stuff? Uh, CD. Chris, what do you think? Uh, uh, me. You guys, what do you think? I CD. Say, I say CD. Yes, you're all nice. right. All right. Everybody Lizard Skins only has 1,300. Ooh. And he has almost 2,000. 1,300? Mike, don't you have that many? Sure. I think so. All Next right. up, it's a Portland-based Portland, Portland uh, one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. it CD or Breadwinner Cycles? Oh, they have way more. Mike? Breadwinner. Yeah, he sounded too convinced and he knows. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I'm going with the same. Chris, you need to have... Higher, better self-esteem. <laughs> you have almost two thousand. They have eleven hundred. Oh! Wow. Ah. Next up. Wait, wait. I said he sounded like he knew what he was talking about, which means I went with. Oh man, I'm an idiot. I shouldn't. <laughs> All right, go Next ahead, up. guys. Mr. CD or Olivia Armstrong, Lance Armstrong's fifth child. Fifth? He has five kids. Yes. All right, CD, go. Oh, she's got to have more than me. Agreed. No. Armstrong. I'm, I'm going to go with CD. Wrong. Olivia Armstrong has 3,100 followers. <laughs> wow. Jesus Lord. What does her Twitter the, feed look like? I pictures that her dad puts up there. <laughs> really? And the last one is... Okay, you has, know what? You know what? Right now, before you go into the last one, I can tell you we're all tied at two. Oh. So right. bonus round. Double points. Double points. Double points for this Daily one. double. All right. Pew, 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 Has pew, pew. more followers, CD or Rigoberto Uran's drone? What? I don't even know what a drone know. What is. is that? He has... Oh, uh, yeah. He has the little remote control drone thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I have to go with I have to go with that because I'm a big fan of his and I'm going to say that he's better than me. But it's not him. It's his drone. It's yeah. Rigo drone. Yeah, I think Rigo drone too, because he puts a lot of photos of that on his Insta- on his Instagram. So I'm gonna go. And I bet you it's interesting too. 
What were my most recent tweets about? Steerer tube length uncut. I mean, who's interested in that? Yeah. Rigo Drone is. Rigo Drone. Does Rigo Drone follow me? What do you think, Mike? I think it's CD. All right. Klaus, go for it. Uh, you all got it. Rig- no, Rigo Drone Rigo has, drone has more. more. So oh. Mike lost. I yeah. got it wrong. Well, we, we need a tiebreaker then because CD and I are tied at four. Okay, uh, so here is, luckily, I have a tiebreaker, <clears throat> but this is it. Who has more followers, CD or Todd Gogolski? Oh, Gogo. <laughs> Gogo, huh? Gogo. Oh, that's a tough one. I'm going to go, actually, CD, you go first. I'm going to say me, just for fun. I'm going to put it out I, there. <laughs> I, think, I think Todd Gogolski and his weird eyes and his narrow nose with that funky hair of his may actually have more followers. I'm going to go with Gogo. Mike, you're out of the running, right? Yeah, he's out of the yeah, running. I'm out. Go with Gogo. Is that a hashtag? I'm, go- I'm going that? with Gogo. Go with Gogo. Gogo for the win. He has 2,100 followers. Yeah. So only about 100 more. Wow. Well, CD, after this episode of the podcast, I'm sure you're going to have at least yeah. two more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, win I should probably game. follow you on Twitter. I win the game, and second CD with four points, and then third is Mike with two points. Klaus, thank you very much. That was a fun game. I always like it when you bring games to the table. There you go. There you to go. To the proverbial table. So now we can talk, we can talk about Paris-Roubaix and uh, Sagan poop. And also the Volder making me look like a chump because he like left the race like 5k after it started. Actually, you, what happened? Did he get hit by a train? <laughs> no, I have no. He, he had a maybe class, he was but... riding near his like aunt's house and he wanted to take a poop. <laughs> that would have been really good for. Ah, actually, that's exactly what happened. Sagan told the Volder, "Hey, dude, doesn't your aunt live around here?" The Volder was like, "Yeah, absolutely. Hey, dude, can, you think I can use her toilet?" Yeah, 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 no problem. Sagan pulled over, tried to like go in. The Volder's aunt is like, "No, sorry, no pooping for cyclists here. You're you're from a different country. It's, your poop is gonna smell bad." Sagan gets pissed off at the Volder, punches him in the face, keeps riding, poops in the in the in the road. The Volder never got up. And with that, we just started a new segment in the podcast called Fan Fiction. <laughs> um, uh, I feel bad for anyone that has to poop in Perry roubaix because there's so many people on the side of the road that I actually know of a guy who saw, I think it was Will Frischkorn, the American guy, had to poop. And the best he could do was just like leave his bike on the side of the road and go into over the little hills that are on the side of you know, the roads in France and Belgium, especially in the cobbled sections, which gives you absolutely no privacy and just pooped. That's exactly like, what in Sagan front of lots did. of people. The photo of Sagan, it, you can see him basically from the waist up in one of, behind one of those little hills, and his bike is on the side of the road. Yep, see, so that's the best you can do. Yeah, yeah, it's... it's I mean, I, I, I couldn't even fathom the idea of having to poop knowing that you still have six more hours to ride on a bicycle, mostly because I've never ridden a bicycle for six hours in a road, but it's, it's wow. And especially on those cobbles, which I have ridden. And if there was even an ounce of feces in my system, it would reach the bottom of said system very, very quickly. And they would not want to stay in there after all the shaking. (laughs) Is that too much? Talk about poop. 
You might get an, an NC-17 rating on your podcast. No, we're not talking about boobies. True. No, boob- no boobies or a JJ. That gives you NC-17. Poop just gives you a rated R. Anyway. What did you, you guys think of the race? An amazing race. I absolutely loved it. And even though I wasn't pushing for a sprint finish, it happened and I loved it. But you knew who was going to win the sprint. Well, oh, hell yeah. That's the only thing. Hell yeah. Of course you did. Well, it, it was awesome. Mike Spring's wacky tactics uh, algorithm dictates who wins that sprint very easily. Right. Do you see two quick step guys in the thing? We'll just count them out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it used to be you see two guys on one team in a, in a bunch, count them in. They one of them. win. Yeah. Count these guys Unless out. they are Schlecks, or now <laughs> we can say unless they are. Yeah. Ethics quick step is the new Schlecks. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But yeah, I mean, that was my only beef with the no, outcome. But aside from that. No, but it was awesome. Good. You could, t- I mean, you could tell he was. And, and the same thing happened to Christoph in Seal the Price, too. The two fastest guys know, all right, nobody wants to carry me here, so I'm going to have to do all the work, you know? I mean, he had a really good race from the beginning. He hid perfectly. He came out exactly when he needed to. Uh, I'm, I'm, I can't. I can't hate on him. I just. I really cannot hate on him. He's perfect. I do, do you guys. To... Do you guys also remember that I suggested he might win last week, and you and you guys. You didn't. You dismissed me like out of hand. You're just like I oh, are you crazy. Yeah. Not only listen. do I not remember, but I did not write it down. And actually, I just. The, the, there's a problem with the server in that mm-hmm. the episode right. was, was deleted. Yeah. Right. Well, fortunately, yeah. we have a we have a Rafa league, like a like an informal internal fantasy league, and I was the only one who picked him for that too. Yeah, we laughed at you here all week. Exactly. We exactly. <laughs> because everyone there is a company man, and they all picked Wiggins because they're. Get out. I had a vision. I had a vision. I had a vision last week. What was the because? <laughs> because my original pick actually changed three times, and then towards the end, I. I, I choked up, and I, I picked Wiggins. I couldn't help myself. Wiggins? Really? I, yeah, though no you should see point. the board. It's all company men and then me. I saw a lot of numbers. I was looking at a lot of data. It looked like it was going to be right, but nobody knew it was going to go that fast. I'm going to so, tell you something, dude. At no point in the last six months did I believe for a split second that Bradley Wiggins would win Paris-Roubaix. Not, except I mean, for when he rolled off the yeah. front. And took that big flyer. You thought for a second, this is it. It's going to be one for the ages. Absolutely yep. not. No. Oh, come on. One no. for the ages. I, in, if he won, I would, I would protest by never watching Paris-Roubaix again. That kind of ages. I do have the, to the say The podcast this. would be over. No, and I never. It, I, honestly, even when he did that, I, he did not look strong enough. No way. Ian Stannard or Simon Gerrans. Yeah, whatever. But the, the, wait, no way. Absolutely no way. And I don't Wait, know was, why. I just never saw it happening in my was head. Was Simon Garrens there? I mean, not Simon Garrens. Um, Ian no. Stannard or... Uh, Garen Thomas. Garen What's Garen Thomas, Garen Thomas and, and then Eisel giving up his wheel once they were out? That, that, that was kind of bad news. I thought Astana was going to pull it off. That was my sort of late-in-the-day revelation was they looked great. So, how did, CD, how did you get to Wiggins? Who were the two picks before Wiggins? Stebar was before that. Okay. And I had standard before that. Yeah, standard. That's a good one. So I do have to say, and it it was not an incredibly difficult thing to point out, but it was interesting that Sean Kelly very hurriedly said, this is the move, and Bradley Wiggins has to go now. This is it. This is happening. 
and they pan to the back, and Bradley Wiggins is like third from the back. <laughs> it was when who the hell was it that went? Uh, it was like Rollins. The very yes. first one, yeah. yeah Jurgen Roll. I thought I thought too and for a second Rollins was gonna make it, or actually it's pronounced Rollins, by the way. But yeah. Sorry. I, but I, but yeah, Sean Kelly said if he has any hope of getting there, this would have to be it. And I was like, that's true. And then I'm like, oh, he's way in the back. And then of course he went too late. And yeah, yeah. it was. And Mike, you're right. It was that move from Bozic from from Astana that was like, wow, that's oh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. It was Borut Bozic. Like he like bridged over to Rulins. I think I sh I should have written all this down because I've watched the race twice, but I can't. It was an interesting race when they were in Arenberg the group did not really break apart the way that it normally does. By the time they got to Carrefour de Labre, it was still, the, the group was still pretty big. There wasn't a lot of those, like, small group guys bridging over, and, you know, there really wasn't that much of that. It, it was an odd Paris-Roubaix in general, but... At least someone didn't time trial for the last 50K or whatever. <laughs> which, which, right? Believe me, I yeah. mean, a lot of time, that, that can be really interesting. I mean, uh, I, I, you know, the, the race that we, that we were at, Klaus, you and I, that was like 2009, yeah. 2010 or something Ten. like that, 2010, when, when Cancelara did it, that has its own excitement too. You know, you're like, oh my God, go for it. Oh my God, this guy, oh my God, 10 seconds, holy shit, 20 But then you know seconds. he's got it. Yeah, then you know it's, he's got it. So the excitement may be about the same. It just happens earlier in the day. Mm. You know what I mean? So it, it's a different kind of exciting, especially if the guy that does it is somebody you like. When Johan van Sommeren did it, then you're just kind of like, well, ah, good, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. <laughs> CD, have you ever been to the race itself? That one in particular, no. No, me neither. Ah, you, you guys. So, it's on my must. list. It's on my list. That actually because brings up Paris Roubaix is on my list. Paris well, here's the thing, guys. Because my favorite was always the one that's next week, which is Amstel, which I like. So, yes, I, I was out here for that. The best but here's the thing: if you want to understand why Roubaix is the best race ever, just watch the greatest film ever made about it. Uh, Cobbles, please, baby. Baby. Oh, Cobbles, baby. Cobbles, baby. Cobbles, baby. Best, the best movie about the best race. Mike, do you, how, do you guys not screen Cobbles, baby, exclamation point, like every hour on the hour? Mm -hmm. at, uh, Leading up oh. to Paris-Roubaix? Yep. I hope you do. You do know what I'm talking about. Have you seen that? I've seen it. CD, you've seen it, right? No. Oh, okay, okay, that's put it in the note. That's yeah, why you still have two eyeballs left. Because <laughs> if you had seen it, you would have jammed like, yeah. stubby pencils in there, unsharpened. Cobbles, ones. baby! I love Let's it. See what I, I love, mean. I love it. So actually, this is a kind of a good segue because we asked Mr. CD, like CD shoes. That's all I keep thinking of when I say CD. Um, I'm sorry because you probably hear that all the time. Uh, actually, wait, hold on, CD. Do you do you hear that all the time? Uh, pretty regularly. Yes. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, 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 don't me, I, I look like a fool, but I'm sorry about that because when you're named Klaus around Christmas, it gets hilarious. Um, <laughs> So you have not been to Perry Roubaix, but you have been to other many other races in yes. kind of a mechanic-y kind of uh, capacity. Okay. So yes. we have to know if there are good stories because you did some of that for Shimano. And the biggest question, first and foremost, is how many riders did you hit with a car when you were driving for Shimano? 
Well, That's most low. of most of my work was in North America, so I will say that I I, I never got the call. Yeah, but okay, still, okay, so because let's, in addition let's to being the really question. bad bike rider, let's, which is why I became a mechanic, I wasn't the best mechanic, so I didn't really get called up to those big ones. Um, but wait, wait, wait. Let me let me rephrase the question. Not how many cyclists did you hit? How many American cyclists did you hit? Yeah, I, I, hit, I hit zero. But I want to follow that up with a statement and. Because I can sometimes be really negative about how the bike industry can be negative. But I will say this. Following Flanders, the guys from SRAM, the guys from Mavic, all the mechanics that sort of chimed in on that, all were in support of each other, all saying this is a remarkable thing that it doesn't happen more often. And it was really unfortunate that it happened twice to the same company. And, you know, one of the guys who was driving is a former professional rider. So, I mean, certainly he understands what it's like. It's terrifying how close you are. And how fast and, and just how scary and how, how much attention you have to spend during the day. And so none of those guys jumped on each other. And I have to say I was really pleased to see the guys from Mavic and to see the guys from SRAM kind of step in and say, um, this is really bad. Like, this, this shouldn't happen. And, but they didn't take the guys out. And, I, and I'm happy to see that because I think there's too many cars out there. There's too many motorcycles, certainly. There's there too many totally cars. There is. And I thought, like, the Mavic guys would have said, hey, we've heard that Shimano gets a sticker for every rider. They hit, like, how the Ohio State football players get a little Buckeye on the helmet. <laughs> no, I, don't, I can't imagine anyone who's ever done that gig, driven or in the back, who, I mean, it's just, I, I mean, I hate to be the heavy here all of a sudden. Oh, no, of course. Because no one wants to do that, and they all love the sport. That's how they got there. It's, it's such a stressful, you, you talk about, you know, peeing and pooping. You, you just can't. You, you just, it's pure stress, pure attention. Well, I mean, you can pee and poop. You just have, have to do the same thing that Sagan or Frischkorn did, is you just have to pick a spot and accept the fact that you're going to do that in front of people. Um, no, the, the, the team cars, the neutral cars, you know, you have to be everywhere. And the commissars dictate where you're going to be, and the teams want you to cover them, except for when they need to do it. And so it's very stressful. And to have that much stress for that many hours, weekend in and weekend out, I was pleased to see that the mechanics didn't take each other out because they all understand how, how dangerous it is out there and, and how much more dangerous it's probably become with how many motorbikes are out there and how many cars are out there. Okay, let, uh, me, let me ask you a question that I've, yeah. I've always wondered about. Okay, so you have a radio. You're listening to race radio, correct? You have race radio, yes. And then you have radio. That, so that, does race radio relay messages from, let's say, one of the teams? So the team so, cars can actually request that you, that you go somewhere and help somebody specifically? Well, race radio tells you where to be. Okay, so race radio you know, is telling you there's a flat somewhere or whatever. Absolutely. Or, but you, there's always the understanding of, like, there's only so many team cars out there, and when things really break up, you know, you've got to look out for, for everybody. Um, you know, and the teams want you to cover that when they can't, uh, except for when they can. And so it's like, it's like this constant state of, you know, no one ever notices when you do it right. They only notice when you do it wrong, and that happens sometimes. Um, it's really stressful, and, and it's uh, – that was a really unfortunate scenario that went down in Flanders two times. Uh, yeah, I think, CD, you bring up a good point. I think that it, we take it for granted because it just never happens, so you just never think of it. And then when it does happen, 
and and add social media into the mix and immediately people are joking and cracking you know making all these jokes and stuff but it, it is pretty serious and it's and it is something that i think the viewers don't get the sense of um they don't they probably can imagine if they sat down and thought about it but they they, they don't the speed doesn't translate no, the closeness doesn't translate and it's it is remarkable that it doesn't happen more often it is so close and the 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 urgency with which everyone wants things done just sort of amplifies, especially in something that important. Um, it's yeah, it, it's definitely it's definitely a lot of stress. And these days, there's so many more bikes out there. The cars are bigger, they're faster. There's so much noise in your ear. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, I have another question for you. So yeah, obviously you guys have to have, or not you guys, but now them guys have to have different wheels, different with different hubs and stuff like that, right? Right, so right. Some from Shimano stuff. Um, but do you just, do they all have the same cassette? Like, cause I'm thinking for Flanders, for example, people would want like very specific cassettes, right? Somebody would, let's say that somebody goes like, well, I want a 1332 or something, but then... You get a flat tire, and Shimano only has their like I don't know eleven twenty eight or something. You're like, you're stuck, buddy. You're stuck, right? I mean, you, you they wouldn't have necessarily a lot of different cassette ratios, right? You know, I don't I don't know what they do these days. It's been so long for me, but you generally have a something that's going going to work with the everybody. day, yeah. something universal enough. I mean, I I went through the period of time when you go from, you know. Eight speed to nine speed, nine speed to ten speed, and soon they're going to be going through the rim brake versus disc brake, and that's that's why you see guys carrying like four or five wheels out of the car sometimes to yeah. you know. So you're kind of checking with the race number and seeing who's what system this guy has and asking them what they want. But generally, gearing is not a problem. Those guys just want to get back on the road, and you know they they don't really need the low gearing that people like myself need. So they're yeah. all I, I have to say is. Thank God that MicroShift is compatible with Shimano. <laughs> Because when, when I'm racing, I want my MicroShift cassette and I want it now. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want a MicroShift 9-speed now. Yeah, I'm like, 10-speed, get that crap out of here, get me the good stuff. Now, I do have a <laughs> funny see, story from the first union. I was doing first union Grand Prix and I ran up to a very famous rider who had flatted and his team car had passed him by. And we were going to change his rear wheel. And he said, whoa, 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 I'm not riding a clincher. And looked at him like, All right, okay, that's what we got. Like, here you go. And, and did he just not? And so he finally accepted it. But, like, oh. you know, but we, no, he did. I just thought he wanted us like, to run back to the shop and maybe glue something up and come out with it. Um, that's the only time that happened. That actually, that that's funny. I know exactly who you're talking about, CD. But that... Um, brings up a point that I was going to ask you guys about just in general. And CD, you might have some specific uh, in insight on this, but what do you guys think about riders having tantrums and like throwing their bikes or like getting fed Sagan up? Sagan threw his into the bush, right? I mean, the He's fans love, you know, it. fans I would say love it. I thought Sagan's toss, like it was a nice kind of bush and he, he got it off the road because if he leaves it in the road, it's going to get run over. Right, right. It was a soft landing. It was. I think uh, that was a pretty gentle, got it off the course removal. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't think that was that bad. So we can say there's Bjorn Reese throwing 
Excellent. Yeah. Amazing. Great. Yeah, great. We should David Pillar. Grading, great. Like giving, yeah, giving like, um, like what do you like? You know, like for ice skating. Oh yeah, the that's like a one to run through ten. Yeah, yeah, that's like an eight or a nine. <laughs> you, you, you gotta you gotta have in mind like style. Uh, Dude, distance. David Miller, he threw his like it was the discus. Yeah, he did do he the did. like swing around with his. Hump. Yeah, he almost did like a full three sixty before throwing it. <laughs> There's uh, what's his name who spiked it last year like a football. Uh, Kittle, 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 yeah. yeah. But I think, as always, the British guy did it in the gentlest, most amazing way, and that was Brad Wig- Wiggins he throwing throw his bike it. and parking it against. Oh, like the road, the side of the rock there. He parked it perfect. No, you know, uh, Mike, you asked what, what, what I think. I, I remember when we used to be back in the day uh, and we were like punk rock anarchy skateboarders. And some of the people that we hung out with were were sponsored riders. And, and, and they would get like a nice little box with like a couple of decks and, you know, free wheels and T-shirts and stuff or whatever. And those kids would try to do a trick and not land it. And they would grab the board and break it. And I'm thinking, it takes me like two months of begging for my mom to buy me a new deck. And these people just smash it against it. I I found it incredibly disrespectful. And I think that I see it the same way with, with, with riders. I mean, they're throwing around like... $10,000 $10,000 worth of equipment like it's nothing. And I know that at that moment, the last thing in their mind is, I wonder what the Skull Crusher thinks about this. But Or what the sponsor thinks. They know, and that's why Kittle had to apologize exactly. to the bike with roses. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just have a little bit more respect for the equipment and the sponsors and stuff. And at the end of the day, they should care about what I have to say because if it wasn't for me watching, yeah, but nobody see, would... We are so well thought out that that's why we would never get to race even a race where CD got to give wheels. Yeah, and these you know guys don't mean? keep they don't keep stuff for very long anymore. Now you've got and not like, only that, bikes that last only one race and then it goes off to a museum so, or auction or wherever. But they're also so maniacally focused that at that moment yeah. where maybe some of us would have a moment thought of like, "Oh, I shouldn't do this." They're like Bjorn Reese, wee! But you know, same as the the cars, you know, the, the accidents in Flanders. I think the stakes are so high now. The pressure is so high. There's so much emphasis and intensity on everything that there's just there's no escape. There's no place to go and vent anymore. I, I mean, that's could be a byproduct of just how important this, this every race and the season is, and every moment and everything's covered. There is no place to vent. Just ask Peter Sagan. You have to go behind that little thing to bed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his toss of the bike was pretty classy. Not Bradley Wiggins classy, but it was soft, and I don't think it'll be viewed as badly as the Kittle yeah, one was. Yeah, because that one, he just, like, slammed it. It was like a like a spike. It was really bad, and he was, like, yeah. obviously very... Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I would like for that thing for the for the bike throwing to escalate to the next level, which would be because <laughs> normally they throw the bike out of frustration because the the change is taking too long or something like that. The next level would just to deck the dude that is trying to help him and just sock him right in the face. <laughs> so so like tennis, should there be a like they have a racket abuse rule? 
Oh, yes. <laughs> Should they have that in right. I mean, John yeah. McEnroe, like, messed it up for everybody. So maybe is it actually, a fine or is it think... a penalty? Like, they make you stop for 15 seconds. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a stop-and-go penalty. Stop-and-go from Formula One. Um, yeah. No, I think, I think a fine would be fine. A See, fine but it's fine. only really bikes that get it. I, what if in Milan San Remo, when it's raining and they're wet, what if a rider just stops, takes off his jacket, and just slams it? <laughs> <laughs> I think that there would be no penalty for that. But I think throwing – well, I, 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 listen, the reason that it exists in tennis, obviously, is because – especially when that rule came into play. And not, not that I know that much about tennis, but I know my Bjorn Borg. You know what I'm saying? So um, – tennis is meant to be like a you know this nice gentlemanly sport and whatever cycling is not like that i i just i don't know what it is exactly i I can't really put my finger on it but there's something that bugs me about these people throwing these bikes like that i don't know what it is i really honestly don't know what it is just Did you see Chauvenel trying to take off his jacket at uh, Get Welcome? <laughs> and getting if you're ever going to slam a jacket, that's when you slam it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have the same effect when it's not something that hits it really hard, when it just kind of goes thud. Like, <laughs> it, but yeah. CD, can you send Chauvenel uh, like a Rafa, like a race cape or something? Uh, I'm off duty right now. I'm actually not at work. <laughs> no, I don't think Mike meant this very second. Oh, okay. I think he meant like eventually as a as a. So here, here, here's my ultimate question: Does ultimate. the sponsor does the sponsor even care? Like, if if Marcel Kittle Cattell smashes his bike, you know they got like two days worth of like buzz around that. Because right. didn't he didn't he apologize the next day? Yeah, That's and he apologized true. to his bike and stuff. They played it well. NPR. So I'm not saying that they're encouraging it, but I do wonder if the sponsor even even cares. Like if they just think, well, yeah, this is what these guys do, and if it happens, we'll figure it out. Yeah, they probably don't care. I would think it depends on the rider too. Like the, you know, the, who's in the power position on that one? Yeah, That's true. Because I'm sure if Alberto Contador put the bike on the floor and took a dump on it. Mike Sanyard would still be like, well, that's what he's going to do. <laughs> he had to go. It was a long race. Um, so anything about anything else about Paris-Roubaix? I, I thought it was how a about, race. But... How about tech? I always like to talk about bikes. Uh, if you want to, you go ahead. To talk I... about disc brakes. No, I wanted to talk about all of the – so top three all had, you know, bar top uh, brake splitters. On yeah, that, right, that's so right 2010. What is and they're that? Not even, what they're not even good ones either. They're I don't like even know a, what that is. What is that? It's like the cyclocross lever on the bar top. But even cyclocross oh. people don't use those anymore. <laughs> exactly. They've been, they were forgotten for the last couple of years, and all of a sudden they're back. Wasn't Pretty soon it's going to be cyclocross bikes and like Mavic uh, rims again. I, so I, the, only thing, the only team that I saw, that I saw it with was um, – Europe car. Was there other teams with it? No, Van Avermaet had it. Oh, really? All three guys on the podium had it. Yeah, yeah. So why would you – did it have anything to do with the fact that it was fast and dry? Would it have been different if it was wet and sloppy? They didn't – hardly anyone had it last year. Hmm. And that's what we were talking about here was is it one of those things where one guy sees it so then they all have to have it. <laughs> yeah. So this technology is old and it's – Somehow, in, in there's an arms race to like you just see like that guy has it. He must know what he's doing. I need one of those. Sure, I think so. I just remember like maybe 2009, 10. A lot of people were using them then, and then they kind of fell out of favor, and now they're kind of coming back. 
I don't know, but it is weird that this year a lot of people were using them, whereas last year hardly anyone had them. I'll I'll tell you this, and this is obviously comes from um, a, a place of absolute knowledge, because I've I've written the cobbles of Roubaix, and I I didn't need them, so I don't understand why they would. <laughs> well, I do. I also heard that Peter Sagan was running a one by system. Even though the bike that oh, really? supposedly changed off of it doesn't look like that, but is this the kind of race where one buy for road becomes? I know, think the, so. The new I mean, suspension. The they put pretty uh, close together front uh, rings anyway. Sure. Like the difference is pretty small. So I think if you have a pretty wide cassette in the back, eleven speeds. Yeah, no reason to not to. Although I, I do have to say I. I have had the pleasure of riding a bike with a one-by system, and it was kind of dirty and muddy, and little sticks or something got in there, and the ta the chain absolutely jumped off the front twice. So they would have to do something to keep it on there. Not that my experience is, you know, of any importance to what a professional would endure, but it would scare me a little bit. But I think it would be a good good approach well, for if, sure. if it happened to somebody like you then obviously something very similar might happen to them you know what i mean i would think so yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um all right i almost fell asleep talking about tech there well you guys were oh, well, what about tires man no let's 28s not. and 30s are the new 25s mike what do you think about that mike are you i don't mike what about the this is all I know is CD wants to talk about disc brakes. Somebody, I do. On the, yeah, you want to, You were to ask. You were instant well, messaging me all day about disc brakes. Well, it's big news today. They're saying that's you what I mean. Pick, you get to pick two races, and and where are people going to going to do that? And now everyone's saying that it's going to definitely be in Colorado later this year because it's going to suit North American sponsors the best, and it's mm. you know, big descents, and that's probably where they're going to show up and that brings up the whole neutral support question which is how many wheels do you have to carry now <laughs> you know because then not only do you have like it used to be you had eight or nine speed or shimano or campagnola but now you might have different rotor sizes for example on a front wheel Just, uh, who knows okay. who knows what somebody's going to do okay wait so it's going to be complex they would at least have to settle on a rotor size they would have to they would have to but i mean they would have to but Let's face it, bike racers and bike racing, there's always someone doing something interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, whose, whose rule is this? The, the UCI. UCI. So the UCI has announced, is it today? Right? I think so, yep. yeah. That oh. they will be partially lifting their ban on disc brakes in the professional race in August and September of this year, where teams are allowed to pick two events of their choice in which to test sponsor equipment with disc brakes. Hmm. And then they will test through 2016, and if everything meets the testing that they need to see it meet, they will formally be introduced in 2017 for the full season. Wow. And what, do you, what percentage of the Peloton do you think will adopt them in 2017? Well, well, it would be best if everyone's on the same thing, right? right I mean, that's right. where you, you have those conversations about differentiation of speed or the ability for some people to stop faster than others and then yep. just neutral support all having the same pieces. Um, but I would imagine all of the sponsors are going to want to be selling them 
you know, the, what is the most contemporary and what is the most advanced? I, I certainly have no idea what, who's going to decide what. Does, Some does teams every, will probably does be really everyone excited. make them? Does everyone Are, make disc brakes? No, uh, currently Campagnolo does Campagnolo not have his system out. I like it. Um, do, uh, is it is it better? I mean, I don't know. The only disc brakes I've ever used are mountain bikes. I think that's an impossible question to answer. So if it's not better, then who gives a crap? Why change it? Well, it's it's different, and just like you would use a maybe a, a different tire for a different course, ah. uh, you know, different brakes for different courses or different weather conditions certainly allow more capability for a well-funded team to to perform at their best. But that really hurts the teams that can't afford everything, or you can't travel like the teams when they travel to. To South America or to Asia, you know, they don't bring all of their bikes. It's hard to move around with that many bikes and wheels. And yeah. I can and make a prediction in regard to this topic. Considering yeah. the fact that, as far as I know, Campagnolo still doesn't make dual pivot rear brakes. Right. I estimate that Campagnolo will come out with a disc brake in the year 2092. <laughs> <laughs> Can we quote you on that? Give or take a year. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, is this a, so CD, this is a question for you. Is this a consumer driven thing, an industry driven thing, a rider driven thing, or, or all of the above? I, That's a I, good question. I, I mean, I don't necessarily know how to answer that. Um, I do don't. You have, here's, do you have disc brakes on your bicycles? My road bicycles? No. Not zero. Because I see a lot of bikes in the club that come in with disc brakes, and I don't understand how they work. Yeah. Like, My they're great. No, no. One I, I understand wrote. how they work, but I don't understand the technology. Like, there are they? Is it high? Is it uh, what? What is powering the disc brake? Fluid. Is there a cable or fluid? So there's Hy an option. Hy well, yeah. at this level, it would be hydraulic. Yeah, fluid. Most absolutely. Of, most of the good ones are hydraulic. Yeah. Or there's or the maybe. hybrid systems, which is a cable yes, that the then actuates. A little, then it becomes fluid once you get to the braking. So you, you can have it kind of both ways. So the technology for road bikes, it, it's fairly mature. Like it's going to be okay. The testing I, I, is I, not, they're not testing tech. They're testing just the usage in the race scenario. Yeah, like I don't think, I don't think anybody's bike is going to explode or catch on <laughs> fire or anything like that. Yeah. And I think these, these, these mentions that a wheel is going to come spinning off and decapitate someone. <laughs> you know, like the movie Crawl or something like that isn't really going to happen. Crawl. Um, That's a great. That is. I love that you brought that up. Crawl. Um, now I have to find the, a crawl clip for the show notes. I know. <laughs> I've been wanting to say this the, the whole the whole show. Uh, Mike, put that in the show notes. I will. Um, I think where it will you, you'll see that it has the best performance gains is that carbon rims then now only have to hold. The tire, they don't have to be a braking surface, and that's where we've seen some situations in bad weather. Do they make wheels out of carbon fiber now? Uh, <laughs> I don't. I, Campagnolo doesn't. Ah, uh, okay, good. If Microshift doesn't, I don't know about. <laughs> you know, I do. Uh, it, in Belgium, two years ago at a cyclocross race, I overheard someone telling a story which seemed credible based on who was telling it. That Sven Nace had tried a bike with uh, disc brakes and after a really long descent or whatever, I guess he went to grab the bike and the disc was so hot that it melted mm -hmm. his like 
Jersey? Sure. You know, and cyclocross, you like yeah, grab that's, it. That's and it's possible. opposite. It's on the side that you carry it. So I, he, I guess it melted his jersey and he was like, I'm done. That's it. Yeah, I mean, obviously. You know, in a crash, if somebody were to land on that in a descent, that would be really dangerous. Yeah. Um, but then but so I think they're going to look at all these things. The alternative is landing against rocks and a road, so it's not. Yeah, I mean, the temperature yeah. of the disc is not going to be a, a, an issue if you're going to like smash your skull against a like either like a fork that didn't. I mean, it just doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems inconsequential at that point. However. That story is absolutely, I mean, I'm sure that we can easily look up what temperature a, a disc break could, you know, could reach. And, and it doesn't really take much to, like, melt most fabrics that nowadays they use to make jerseys. So, yeah. I'm sure that would be difficult. I'll bet you actually... Mike, do. put that in the show notes, can you? The temperature range, please? Yeah. I will do that. do that. I mean, think about this. Grab your... Oh, sublimated polyester. I'm going to be up all night. With I this. hope you are. Uh, just if you think about this, just grab your favorite jersey, and then just rub it against your t-shirt, and just that friction, just that heat. I'll bet you it's it, it'll actually if you keep doing it, it'll probably melt the jersey. So it doesn't really have to be that hot. It probably takes more than that. Uh, okay, what about if you do it against a brick? What if the t-shirt it'll, is it'll, made out of an oven? <laughs> There's a lot of variables. Well, the t-shirt is made out of an iron. See, yeah, it yeah. could be. I don't know. Well, whatever. Uh, we've said it all. We've said too much. We need, wait, we need to pick Amstel picks. Amstel Gold. I think that, wait, CD, you said that you've been to Amstel Gold? Yes. So has Klaus. So you guys don't get to pick first. Mike and I have never been to Amstel Gold, so we get to pick first. Mike, who's your pick for Amstel Gold? Uh, who did I pick? See, who did I pick? Uh, Valverde. Oh, I know. I don't. I didn't want to. Why not? Why don't you want a hundred? A hundred Valverde is one of the best things that has ever happened to cycling. <laughs> really? No, it isn't. No. Get out of here. I thought it was. I don't know. Uh, that's actually a good pick. Um, but wait, you said you didn't want to, but you did. Why didn't you want to? Are you are you picking? See, that's I'm the over, thing. I'm over Valverde. He's been around too long. Sometimes we pick by the heart. Sometimes mm -hmm. we pick with our brain. This one is with the brain, then. Right. Exactly. Obviously. Hmm. Uh, Klaus, you're next. Klaus, hello. Oh, I guess I have to unmute so you guys can hear me. <laughs> My... So, Klaus, you're next. My brain. Says Joaquin Rodriguez, my heart says Sergio now. Oh my God, and now would be awesome, awesome, wow. awesome. He has been close, as was Betancourt a few years ago. He just went too early. Oh no, that was Flesh alone. But it, it could be. He's in unbelievable shape. He's, and Obviously, clearly yes. so is Rodriguez. So, so we have a Valverde, we have a Rodriguez, and uh, and maybe a Sergio now. CD, what do you think? I'm going to go with Michael Kwiatkowski cracking an Edix Quick Step winner's beer, finally. <laughs> oh. oh, interesting, interesting. 
I'm going to give you guys a dark horse that people are not thinking about, but maybe, maybe, maybe. Based on what I saw in Pirate Roubaix, maybe, maybe. Lars Baum. That's, that's my outside. Hmm. That's my outside bet. But, um, but that's a lot of climbing for Lars Baum. Yeah, I know. Hmm. Maybe if I keep it in the, let's say that I keep it in the Astana, like, camp. What? Maybe? No. Is he a What's your attraction to Astana for this? Um, Wait. I know why Nibali could win. Because he's the shark? He just met Christy Alley. He what? may have gone clear. <laughs> what? <laughs> he met Christy Alley? Christy Alley's a Scientologist. He just went clear. So, oh. He's an operating uh. beat in like level seven. Hmm. He's got the power of L. Ron Hubbard. Okay, so... You, uh, he's in the Sea Org. I'm looking at... <laughs> I don't have enough room on my notes for all this crap. <laughs> All you have to know is he just met Christy Alley, and I suspect that he might be a Scientologist, and he may have the power of our operating Thetan, and he might win it. I, I, I need to know under what context he met Christy Alley. I have no idea. I just saw a picture on the internet. <laughs> really? If you look at Christy Alley's uh, Twitter feed, I think it's on there. I got to get my assistant to look this up yes. right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 for real. Um, is it Christy Alley or Kirsty Alley? Kirsty. I don't even know how to spell her name. Kirsty. Yeah, it's not Christy, it's Kirsty. So yeah. Mike says Alejandro Valverde, who finished fourth last year. CD says Kwiatkowski, who finished fifth last year. And Klaus said Sergio Henao, who... Joaquin Rodriguez. But, uh, well, you whatever. said Joaquin. Sorry, I'm cheating by saying two. Yeah, you don't get two picks. Uh, Christy Alley, then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think we're going to beat the record for the longest podcast. Oh, man. For the longest episode. Okay, you know what? I'm going to change my whole thing. I'm going for Philippe Gilbert. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. And it's probably not going to happen. A lot of that is hard, but I'm going with Philippe Gilbert. You love that guy. I do. I love him. It's soft is it spot. a contract year for him? No. It's a retirement year for him. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I know. I know. But I, I just, you know, I just... And let me see, where's the one, two, three, would be his fourth time winning. Hey, remember when Enrico Gasparotto was around? <laughs> he won this race in 2012. I'd forgotten that dude even existed. Poor guy. Hey, remember when Frank Schleck won this race in 2006? <laughs> Listen to this, this is totally weird. 2005, Dal Danilo Di Luca. 2006, uh -huh. Frank Schleck. 2007, Stefan Schumacher. 2008, Damiano oh. Cunego. 2009, Sergei Ivanov. <laughs> like, what the <laughs> hell? And then Gilbert, Gasparotto, Kreuziger. Kreuziger. Wow, that's great. Okay, so, wait. We have Philippe Gilbert, Alejandro Valverde, Joaquin Rojas, and City. who did you say again? Kwiatkowski. Uh, all right, we, we've gone way over. We've said it all. We've said enough. Um, we are probably going to be back again next week. When uh, you say we, does that mean me? Well, I, we don't know, dude. We haven't. Oh, we, silence. Listen to we're, this. There was no silence. silence. There was no silence. <laughs> I'm going to fix that in post. 
uh, add like crowds cheering, yeah, applause, cheering like, <laughs> um, we still have to have our little conversation with HR make sure that everything's good uh, and we'll go from there I have to check my, my schedule too I, I, might, I might actually be busy I have to look into that you're going to be washing your hair <laughs> and your assistant who helps you cheat I've got a lot of do here Mm-hmm. No, that's the thing. Your your schedule is probably clear, but your cheating assistant isn't. So you can't do it without him. And is there anything that you want to plug, sir? Uh, just that uh, Kirsty Alley and I will be appearing uh, later this weekend um, in in a coffee house in a coffee yes. house in Portland. Yes. Wait, you wa- you're saying you want to plug Kirsty Alley? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> There's the NC-17 right there. We yeah. almost made it. Then the arch just deflated right on the bunch, right at the finish line, right there. Soggy, <laughs> soggy baguette. Call HR. Um, or actually, uh, uh, CD, what's your um, what's your Twitter handle? Everything is Chris DeStefano. Chris DeStefano. P H or F? It's an F and it's an I after the D. D Stefano uh, for Instagram and Twitter. Okay. Yes. Uh, Klaus, anything you want to plug? Uh, follow Christy Alley at Kirsty Alley on Twitter. All Who right. has more followers, CD or Kirsty Alley? <laughs> Kirsty Alley has 1.2 million. Oh. Close. <laughs> yeah. I'm right there. I'm right there. I cannot believe there's 1.2 million people that give a shit about what this woman has to say. I wonder how many of those people are Scientologists. She went clear. She did. Yep. She really already go clear. I don't know what uh what level she is. I think she's seven, which means she's already gone clear. I don't know. I can't believe I know this much about Scientology, but I'm pretty sure that she is. Well, anyway, whichever way, Mike. Uh, anything you want to plug? Yeah, I would like to plug these show notes that I'm going to spend the next two days writing. Gauge the <laughs> and if I link to Scientology, they'll probably shut down my website. So get. There soon. Get there tomorrow. Get there tomorrow. As soon, right. as, soon as you well, hear this episode. Well, still exists. Yeah, no, I know. But honestly, I have like three full pages of single-spaced notes. Just <laughs> No. It's going to be long. Really? Listen, yes. Mike, please take it easy. I don't have an assistant. <laughs> I'm you, doing you like myself. one of mine? Yes. <laughs> you want me to give you one of mine? Yes, Is please. it true that at the Rafa office in Portland, you guys have like a dispenser, but instead of Q-tips, it's just assistants? <laughs> yes, that is absolutely true. Does like, it only please. does it only dispense assistance, or does it also like dispense like arm warmers and knee warmers? <laughs> All of those, as, as needed. <laughs> Unbelievable! Unbelievable! I do have something else to plug. Uh, uh, go for it. Amstel Gold at the Rafa Cycle Club. Because if you were there last Sunday for Paris Roubaix, you realize how fun it is to watch a bike race with like a hundred other people. So if you're and in New York City and you want to watch a race, come and check it out. And after the race, maybe if you're lucky, they'll screen. Cobbles, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Only if you're lucky. Oh, man. Um, all right. I don't have anything to plug, really. I'll buy my book on Amazon. Look it up. It's called Cool Beer Labels. It's available on Amazon. And that's it. Um, info at speedmetalcycling.com. Get a hold of us. Let me know what you think or what you don't think. And also, let me know if you, anybody out there is interested in um, 
sponsoring the podcast because I've been paying for this stupid thing for long enough on my own and I'm getting sick of it. And then there's Mike and Klaus. Wow, we need more money. Wow, give us a raise. Wow, we're going to do a protest in the Tour de France. For fair wow, wages. we're going to get punched by Bernardi. No. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, CD, thank you very much. Mike, thank you very much. Klaus, thank you very much. Happy birthday to me. We're out of here. Peace.